Uh, one of the songs we sang this morning talked about God being our redeemer, our restorer, our rewarder. And uh, those words kind of jumped out at me because the first uh, verse that I, I want to read this morning uh, is from Hebrews, even though we're kind of in the book of Philippians. Uh, this verse has sort of been in my mind this week. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it's after a conversation about all these people in the Old Testament who were made acceptable before God because of their faith. And then it says this, it is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely, and maybe your translation might say diligently or earnestly, seek him. And as I thought about that verse, it starts with saying, anyone who wants to come to God must believe that he exists. And I thought that if that verse ended there, it would have almost universal acceptance. That even those who wouldn't necessarily identify with church or even identify with what we might call the Christian message might say, yeah, I actually believe that God exists. I, I totally agree with you. The second part of that verse, however, says God is looking to reward us. And immediately you realize when you read that, that God is actually talking about something very personal. That not only does God exist, but the heart of God seeks to reward us. Talks about a relationship that God wants to have for us. And then the last phrase says, sincerely, diligently, or earnestly seek him. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. The last phrase, when I think about that, talks about the reality that our faith requires some effort on our part. And in the first part of Philippians 2, which we read and looked at last Sunday, Paul said that we must have the same attitude that Christ had. Humility before God, humility before one another, a willingness to serve and to think of others, not only ourselves, a desire to live in obedience to what God has called us to, obedience to how God has called us to live. And if those attitudes, if that is evident in our life, then we can be assured that we will share in the resurrection and in the glory of Jesus. That we will truly lay hold of a prize that lies ahead for those who know and love God. And you may be uncomfortable with the fact that I use the word if. 
that if we do that, or if those things are evident in our life, and you may say, well, Doug, it sounds like you're putting conditions or you're putting expectations on my salvation. That my salvation actually has something to do with me. And I think Paul was very clear in Romans when he said we are saved through grace alone, not through works. And this morning, I'm not suggesting something else or something different than that, but I want us to think beyond what it means to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ and consider what it means to actually be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I think there is an important distinction between the two. And it's a distinction that Jesus actually spoke about and that Paul wrote about. Most of Paul's letters have as a key, I think, underlying theme this message of challenging the church to think about what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. That we are not along for a free ride, that we are not passive passengers on this journey of faith. We actually are called to partner with God in this new life we have been given as his children. That how we think, how we live, actually proves whether our faith is credible, whether our faith is genuine, whether our faith is real. In the redemptive message of the Bible, which is really what the Bible is, the story of God's heart to reclaim each one of us, and we are ongoing, I would say, reclamation projects. We are continually being transformed into the image and into the character of Jesus. And as I read Paul's letters, he acknowledges that this path that we are on is not an easy path. We could choose a much easier path. In the Gospels, Jesus calls that the broad way. Most people are on it. So Paul's letters often have words like work hard, be diligent, make every effort, persevere, run the race, fight the good fight, and press on to the goal that lies ahead. Every one of those words and phrases when I read them, it says to me, Doug, you have a role to play in working out your salvation. In chapter 1 of Philippians, and Chris spoke about this, Paul says, we are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And it's a phrase, if you read through the New Testament to the letters of Paul, he uses almost that same exact phrase, walk in a worthy manner or walk in a manner worthy of your calling in Thessalonians, in Colossians, in Ephesians, and here in Philippians. 
And in chapter 2, Paul says to the church, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Work hard. Show the results of your salvation. And as I read that, it speaks to me that our walk, our attitudes that we have, even simply the way we think, identifies us as true believers. Romans 8 verse 19 says this, and I used this last week, all creation is actually eagerly waiting for that future day when God will reveal who his true children are, who his true children really are. And as I read that verse, it can be a bit unsettling. It seems to imply that there is some uncertainty about who his children really are. The fact that faith is not simply repeating a few words, faith is not simply just repeating a prayer, that although it may begin there, the teachings of Jesus and the writings of Paul are clear that not everyone who hears, not everyone who actually acknowledges Jesus, not everyone who actually starts on the journey of faith may lay hold of the prize that Paul so often talks about that lies ahead for those who truly follow Jesus. And there are many conversations where Jesus has where he says, you know, people say, Lord, Lord, didn't we, we did this. We did this amazing thing in your name. And the response will be, I, I don't know you. The parable about the seed that's scattered and, and some rejects it right away, others hear, and then eh, it gets tough, and they go back to where they came from. In the New Testament, there's one passage that says, there are those who actually, having tasted of the goodness of God, turn their back on it and return to the way of life from which they were saved and the phrase that is used there is, they are like dogs who return to their own vomit. A fairly graphic language. And it says that they would have been better off had they never heard it in the first place. The prize awaits for those who genuinely seek to work out their salvation. Those who desire to live a life of obedience to God, of sacrifice, those willing to live a life of service to others. So I believe our salvation and even the assurance of our faith is proven within the battle, within the fight. It is in our desire to give God the glory in a society that glorifies man and is willing to trust in man's wisdom 
It's agreeing with God that life and morality has his design and his fingerprints on it. And so I asked this morning, I ask it of you, I ask it of me, do you actually feel like you are engaged in a battle? Do you kind of identify with this fight, this struggle that we are in? Do you at times find yourself fighting against the urge to give in or take the easy way or move from this narrow road that leads to life and say, you know what, it seems so much easier on this broad road, even though the Bible says it leads to destruction. And if you say that you feel this conflict, you understand this battle, this struggle, I think this morning you can rest assured that what God has promised to those who love him, to those who are called by his name, belongs to you. And it's interesting that Paul says we're supposed to work it out, not by being kind of obnoxious people. He says in this passage, work it out like bright lights in a crooked and perverse generation. Work it out in an honorable, I'm going to even say amazing way within the context of a world who does not accept many of the things, even the lifestyle that we believe God has called us to, but we're called to work it out in a way that makes us shine like bright lights. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian coined the phrase cheap grace. It was this idea of faith without any cost to it. It's kind of like just say yes to something and hope for the best. And at times we are desperate to give people assurance of their salvation. And at times we do that by hoping to find a really good verse in the Bible that talks about assurance. And in a way it is a little bit, I think, at times like cherry-picking the Bible. So that in order to maybe make somebody feel good, you find a verse that seems to fit, you pluck it out, and you read it to them, and hopefully they feel assured. I think it's kind of like cherry-picking the Bible and ignoring very often the context in which that verse was written. I never have really picked cherries other than to eat them. I did pick a lot of raspberries for many years in Chilliwack. And I think a good cherry picker is not unlike a good raspberry picker. Now, when you pick cherries, you don't only look for the easy, low-hanging fruit. A good cherry picker, a good raspberry picker, although you don't climb a ladder when you pick raspberries, but in cherry tree you do. So you're willing to climb the ladder. You're willing to turn over the branches, turn over the leaves. You're willing to get 
probably scratched and sore in an effort to be an honorable worker for the orchard owner. The Bible says that we are actually workers in God's vineyard. Are you engaged in what that means? What does it mean to be a worker in God's vineyard? Are we faithfully honoring God in how we live? Is it our heart's desire to truly love, serve one another, live the life that Jesus has called us to live? The Bible, I think, teaches clearly that faith is not divorced from the stuff we do. Faith is not somehow divorced from how we live. That our faith is proved genuine in our lifestyle. It's proved genuine through our good works. Those things that it says in the New Testament that God has laid out in advance for us to do. I think perhaps uh, James in the New Testament was the most blunt when he wrote about this. And he said, faith without works. And I think you could probably put faith without effort. Faith without perseverance is dead, he said. It doesn't mean anything. It's empty. And I believe that's why Paul uses those words. Be diligent. Make every effort. Persevere. Don't grow weary. Don't give up the fight. Don't get entangled with the things of this world. Don't opt out and decide, you know what, I will run my own race. So I say stay engaged in the battle of what it means to work out your salvation. And I'm going to say stay engaged in the church. Philippians 2.12 says that. It says work out your salvation. Work out the results of your salvation in obedience to God. With Some translations say with fear and trembling. Some say with reverence and awe. The very next verse, and I find this interesting in the Bible, it's almost turned around. This fight that we are called to engage in, and I think most of us here understand that fight, that it's a battle worth fighting for, and it is a battle we do not fight alone. That God is active in this fight, and I'm going to say that, in essence, God started the fight. That when God, by His Spirit, called us to walk as children of God, He actually invited us to participate in a battle. And we can say God started it. Philippians 1 verse 6 said this. It's Paul speaking. I am certain that God, who began the good work in you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. 
that God, who began this good work in you, also began a battle. Philippians 2.13, right after the verse that says, work out your salvation, show the results, says this, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And as I read that, they're not contradictions. I believe we are engaged in a partnership. And if we persevere, there is a reward to be gained that is already in place. That God is faithful, and you might even say God has already been faithful to do exactly what he said he would do. And the prize is already waiting for those who do not give up the fight. Prize is actually there waiting for those who stay in the battle. I'm not sure why, but for some reason, as I thought about that this week, I, I began to, I thought a little bit about the NHL playoffs. Maybe it means that it's the middle of summer and I'm anxious for hockey, but I'm not that avid a fan. But as I thought about the NHL playoffs, in every game in the playoffs, in that final round, Every game that could potentially be the last game, the announcers will always say, and the Stanley Cup is in the building. It's out of sight. They don't even necessarily know if they'll award it. But if the potential is there, they will say the Stanley Cup is in the building. Part of the prize of the Stanley Cup is the trophy itself. It's an impressive trophy. And on it, people have their names inscribed, and they will be there forever. But if you talk to most players who happen to actually get to that place where they have their name on the Stanley Cup, they will say, what makes the trophy so coveted is the effort, the struggle, and often the pain that it represents. Yeah, the trophy's nice, but that trophy speaks to what we have just gone through. This morning, Paul encourages us to work hard in order to lay hold of an even greater prize. And what lies ahead for those who truly, their heart's desire is to follow after God, is something we cannot fully grasp. We cannot even fully imagine. Like, what will it actually mean for us to share in the glory and the resurrection of Jesus? I sometimes get shivers when I think about that, but I really only have a glimmer of an idea of what that prize truly means. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 says this. Paul said, For our present troubles... 
whatever they might be, whatever yours might be, are small and won't last very long. Yet those struggles produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Paul often encourages us to, you know what, you need to think of things unseen. He says you need to set your sights on things above, not on things on the earth. And when he says those things, he, we can only do that by faith. Because the things we're asked to set our minds on are things unseen. And only understood in part. But the truth of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That these things. These things we can't imagine. These things we can't fully understand. Will one day be revealed fully. We will see clearly those things we only dimly perceived. We will experience fully what it means to share in the resurrection of Jesus. In Philippians 2, the, the passage just before this, it says, Jesus was highly exalted above every other thing or person, exalted above things on the earth, things unseen, things visible. Why? Because he humbled himself. He came as a servant. He was obedient to what God called him to do. And that same prize lies ahead for us if we walk in that manner and have the same attitude we will share in that prize. And I just say this morning, as I think for myself and for us as a church, that God, would you help us stay engaged in this battle? Help us stay engaged in this life that you have called us to live. I also believe that the church is absolutely critical in this battle. It's where we're called to gather. And as we gather, we're, we're encouraged to encourage one another. We're encouraged to pray for one another. We're encouraged to love and to serve one another. And as a church, uh, we are far from perfect. Uh, we have spots and we have wrinkles. Some of them, I actually think, maybe are, are signs of the battle of the struggle. It leaves us a bit stained and it can leave us a bit wrinkled, but God says there's coming a day when the church, when you and me will be presented to God and it says without spot or wrinkle. And so in the next verse, Knowing that, Paul says, help me do all things without grumbling or complaining. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, and this is Paul kind of summing up maybe his own life. Maybe he senses that um, his life is about to come to an end, and it was a, um, a martyred end of a life for Paul. He said this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. You know, that line right there we need to hang on to as a challenge. Fight the good fight. Say, I'm going to finish the race. God, I want to be faithful to you. And Paul says, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. The prize is not just for me, Paul says, but for all who eagerly look forward to his coming. So this morning I want to encourage us not to grow weary. I want to encourage us to continue to encourage one another. I want you to know that tonight when you put your head on your pillow that you can rest assured that you are a child of God because you understand what it means to be in the battle. To fight the good fight of faith in order to lay hold of the prize that is waiting for us. I want to end with the verse I started with, and it's not from Philippians. It's from Hebrews 11, the verse 6 again. Living by faith is not easy. It would be so much easier to live if it was something we could see and handle and touch. It says you need to be willing to walk by faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. And I think this is so sweet. He wants to reward those who diligently follow. I pray that's us as a church. We call the, the I just want to pray. And uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the challenge that I believe that exists in the Word of God. That quite literally, God, you have sought us out. That you have called us. And really, God, you've called us into a, a battle. Father, you've called us into a way of life that is challenged by so much of what we see around us. It's a battle where at times, God, we would say, you know what, we need, I need something more tangible, God. And you ask, you ask us to walk by faith. Father, I pray that as your children, we would sense your spirit working within us. That it is your spirit working in us, God, that actually gives us not only the desire, but the power to continue to live as your children. So, Father, I pray that you would still speak that into our hearts and minds even this week. Encourage us in the fight. Remind us, God, of the reward that lies ahead. And we thank you for it all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.